This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. You're listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha on Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. Um, Nisa Mulavanaka, everyone. I hope you're doing well um, during this lockdown time. Um, please stay safe, keep well. Um, but we're here with another episode of Hear Us Say. Um, if you know what our show is about, it's basically um, bridging that social cohesion by enabling um, different people from different ethnicities, background, come and have a yarn um, about things that matters to them. Um, we do this on the basis of the mosaic cards. Um, the mosaic cards are built on three different levels. We've got the personal, where we ask questions um, like, uh, what is the line between funny and offensive? And what are your personal values and belief? Going into interpersonal, how this would look in a conversation to societal, where we um, look this conversations turn into stereotypes um, on the societal level. So that's the little overview of the mosaic cards that we're going to use today um, to get into the whole episode and chat about what are the things that matters to us. Um, I have someone really, really special today. Um, Narendran, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself real quick? Good evening, Renesha. Good evening, everyone. Um, thanks for inviting me um, to be part of this show. Um, I'm Naranjan Ramesh. I am from India. I'm from a small city in South India called Chennai. Um, so I moved to um, New Zealand to do my PhD here. I came here as a PhD student, as an international student. And um, I finished my PhD in anatomy in 2019 and then um, moved on to become an assistant research fellow. And currently I am a teaching fellow at the Department of Anatomy. I'm teaching the first year's health science and also uh, second year um neuroscience students um so that's what brings me here yeah Narendran is quite gifted um in terms of academic achievements as well as um he's quite amazing with um his personal achievements especially with Silverline um, and that's how we met both of us through um the Unicruise um social impact studios actually um Again, so yeah, that's that's the both of us today. Um, apologies if there's any external sounds coming in, just because we are doing this over Zoom, and then I have sent the recording to um, the studio for um, an update. But thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and unfortunately, because we're not in person, I couldn't give Naranjan um, the opportunity to choose his questions. Um, so today it's just me picking up three different questions that I think um, will be quite good to have a chat about. So, um, Niranjan, when we start from the personal level and when we start having conversation, um, what are, what are, or you think who influences and feeds your worldviews? So if I break that down a little bit, um, as you reflect, how do you feel about who or what is happening in the world and how that's shaped? Um, it's a great question, to be honest. Um, first of yeah. all, um, Growing up, I mean, obviously, uh, everyone's family has a very big influence on how you view the world because more often than not, um, your your learning begins at home. Um, yeah. So in that way, um, I think my parents really shaped um, how I viewed the society. And um, I'm kind of privileged to say the fact that um, I had parents who were kind of had a modern outlook and, um, you know, raised me with a more an open mind um, and to kind of which made me easy, which made it easy for me to um, weave myself into the society 
Um, so I'm really, really thankful for them uh, to do that because um, we lived in a colony, um, if you may, back back in Chennai in India. Um, so where we had people from multiple faiths and multiple um, professions. And my dad was active in the um, society uh, as one of the directors, so which meant um, he normally would just carry me around. I was like four or five. He used to carry me around and when he's doing his errands and I'll be with him. And by the way, mm. like I started developing those connections. I was always known as Ramesh's son and uh, because mm. people always recognized me. And so that kind of like gave me a bit of an icebreaker um, um, to go into the society when I was growing up, um, especially when I was a teenager, um, because that's where you you're, you either grow up as an angry teenager or you grow up as a happy teenager. Um, yeah. I <laughs> happy teenager, yeah. I would say. Um, because yeah. I also I'm very um, extroverted, if you haven't figured that out by now. Uh, so I had a lot of friends going around around different fates and everything, which means we almost like celebrating half the time in the year because there's Christmas coming around, there's Ramzan coming around, and everything. So that yeah. that concept of multi faith and um, uh, viewing people as equal um, was kind of instilled into me right from a young age. Um, and then mm-hmm. going on, um, you then go and meet a lot of people through the university. And, um, you know, that's where you get exposed to even more stuff. And by this time, I was like age 17 to 20. And that's when you're in the uni. Um, so yeah. quite a few things happen in the life around you. And you learn, you learn quite a lot of lessons as you go. You make a few mistakes. Of course, no one is, I think, immune to making mistakes, nor was I. Um, that kind of shaped it. I think, I think what um, really shaped is the fact that the mindset you have, um, I always mm-hmm. um, have the mindset of the fact that I will definitely make mistakes. And, uh, and But the thing is, I'm willing to learn from it, um, given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of put me in a very good place to um, develop a lot of meaningful relationships, um, and mm-hmm. especially uh, moving to um, England for my master's after my undergrad in India. Um, I was out of my comfort zone. And the, the thing is, moving into a country like England, it's amazingly multi-faith. Like, there are people from everywhere in England at this stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because I was already exposed to being with people from different beliefs and different faiths and everything, um, I was not very, uh, what to say, um, worried about how I would interact them because I, I could always relate to the kind of conversations which I did have back home, which made it really easy. Mm-hmm. For me. And that made that transition into um, independent life made it pretty easier. And then yeah. I moved to New Zealand. Uh, by this time, I'm about 25 when I moved here. Um, so um, I lot, had a lot of things. I put myself through the cultural associations, which I did. I was, I was one of the um, executive uh, members for the Indian Students Association. And also the best thing I probably did is join Silver Line because um, I, I normally say this wherever I go. Um, I've had a privilege of bringing, and there's two things I can do about it, do nothing or use my privilege uh, to help other people and, you know, mm-hmm. um, people who are in need uh, and to do that. Um, so I think that's uh, pretty much just my purpose. Um, that's what I did. And yeah. uh, when I moved here, um, Silver Line is an organization, as you know, it's a student-led mental health-based movement, which really um, their core values and my core values were pretty much in a straight line. And it was a no-brainer for me uh, to be um, involved myself in their mission to get the conversation going around mental health. Um, so basically, you learn to view uh, view the world from a very objective place rather than an opinionated place um, to yeah. answer questions. So finally, that's how it ties up. And all the people yeah. I've met and all the, um, the travel I've made is basically what shaped my opinion towards uh, how I view the world. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think you just you just 
literally told me how and what your life looked like, um, you know, growing up and being to the place where you are today. And clearly you're someone who has made sure to put yourself out there. So you're exposed to the people, exposed to their cultures, exposed to the issue, situations and issues quite relevant. And I think because um, in the first episode, we talked about um, what is privilege. And I briefly mentioned that it's one thing to hold your privilege with gratitude. Um, and I think you've done that quite quite well in every spaces that you've been into so it's kind of it's kind of um humbling to hear you say that yeah. um the funny thing is that whenever i say you know what feeds you or influences your worldviews um while it is very true and you know interestingly that since you have said it's family now i'm thinking about it yeah it's family where where you find your roots of your opinions and how you view the world but whenever i kind of think about um what influences i for some reason think media spot on yeah, yeah so definitely, you're, you're, not you're definitely not wrong yeah um, I think I, I have a, um, what to say, um, I did, of course, I mean, media does influence you, um, but the problem is media does also feed stereotypes. Um, yeah. That's where, um, that's where you, um, I had someone ask me this question, like, would you be the same person if you were in India now? Like, you didn't, you didn't do all this travel and everything. No, yeah. I, would, I would absolutely not be this person who I am right now if I, were, if I weren't to leave my comfort zone, that is India, uh, because yeah. you're kind of like exposed to one side of the narrative. Um, and mm. there's no way you would know um, that if that narrative is right or wrong, unless you yeah. step away from it. Um, often, like if you're yeah. in, the, in the middle of the storm, there's no way you can see how you're going to get out of it. Um, so yeah. when you did move, and like I said, um, I met with people who I still hold near and dear and have a huge amount of respect in my life um, when I did travel. And that made me question for the fact that, you know what? I mean, it's good to have your opinion, but it's good to have an informed opinion. I mean, media yeah. does a great job in, you know, delivering you the news, but um, opinions should be yours. You can, you can take yeah. the information of the media, but you got to be able to form that opinion. That's where your education comes in. Um, so yeah. You, you, your education is to serve one purpose is to make you think objectively, um, to mm. kind of question what is being fed to you. Um, yeah. So I think you would not be putting your education to good use if you're not asking the right questions. And for me, mm. of course, I'm an emotional person. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but the fact yeah. that I will try to not react when I'm feeling stuff as and when, I'll try to take my time, mm. I'll try to wait it out. Um, because normally the wave of emotions will obviously bring you a lot of superficial um, feelings. Uh, but if you yeah. kind of sit, sit tight for that while and then think about it, okay, you know what? I'm, I could be wrong here. And then, you know, you can react based, based on that objective yeah. feeling. I think you're more often than not um, in the right position. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I definitely agree media did influence me. But then again, also when I did move around, I, I, didn't re I did realize that, you know what? It's not the full story. Mm -hmm. No one made a picture. At the end of the day, someone yeah. telling you how they see the world and that's shown to you through whatever medium you're kind of feeding that through. Um, but it's really important that you have your own views and you, yeah. should, and you should be able to um, change those views or amend those views mm -hmm. based on updated information. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's where I stand with media. Yeah, I think I really like the way you highlighted that it's one thing having an opinion, it's another thing having an informed opinion. And I think that's something that a lot of um, 
us like struggle with is something that we see online. We become emotional, we sympathize, but um, we end up maybe supporting the opposite of what we should be doing. Um, so thank you for that conversation. I think I'm just going to, just because I think you've covered that um, question really well, I really want to um, ask you another question in the same level. Absolutely. Um, so we're still on the personal questions, but I really want to ask you, what is or was an opinion that challenges you? <sighs> I know. <laughs> what, is an, what is an opinion that challenges me? Um can you give me a bit of a brief on yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, so the amazing thing about this mosaic cards is that they have one big um, question, but they break it down into sub-questions to start that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first sub-question is basically asking, how do you feel when others hold different opinion to yours? Okay. Do you want me to answer this yeah. now or do you want me to yeah. do it? Yeah. Okay, I can answer this now. Um, yeah. Look, I, I found it. I still at times look I'm the full disclaimer like I said I'm not a finished product I don't consider myself a finished product um so I can literally walk out of this room and do something stupid so don't hold me to it um but um I I felt a bit I'm someone who felt a bit uncomfortable to hear an opinion that was different to me um this is when I was going through my university and everything I used to take things too personally um even even trivial, trivial things. And that's something which I consciously uh, worked on um, to kind of, you know, look, people, people always think they are right, you mm. know, like, including me. You know, like whenever I say, mm. I, I would like to believe that whatever I'm saying is correct. Um, I, mm. I'm not going to deliberately put forward a wrong opinion because, hey, what's there to lose? I don't think anyone yeah. ever, I mean, very few people function like that, even if they do. Um, but yeah. you would believe to say there's some amount of accuracy in the kind of uh, opinions you have. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, um, I, when someone had an opinion which was directly um, stark contrast to what I had, I, f- I found it a bit difficult to kind of adjust to it. It's more the fact that, yeah. like, I'm not going to be um, ashamed in admitting, like, I was in a headspace for a period of time where I was like, how could you have a different opinion? Um, and then, yeah. and then you go out and you see people have another opinion, and then people have another <laughs> opinion and another opinion. And it's like, okay, fine, this is never going to be ending. Just like I have different takes on different things. Um, it's to do with um, where they come from. Uh, there's always multiple perspectives um, to a subject or an incident. Um, so yeah. obviously, that I had to condition myself um, to the fact that where, you know what? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, you have your um, I, yeah. I think my opinion is quite different to yours in terms of um, having pineapple and pizza. Okay, there is, <laughs> there is, there is opinions and there, there is lack of taste, and let's not confuse them. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so for viewers who, who don't understand what's going on, I think you do, but um, I'm someone who enjoys pineapple with my pizza and the amount of crap I had to get from Naranjan for admitting to that fact. Every single time we have met um, since I admitted the fact, I've been roasted and toasted um, to the maximum because of that fact. So um, (laughs) I think you're right in terms of that we're still growing, we're still learning how to adjust with different opinions. Oh no, I I do have an opinion there. I'm pretty sure that's not going to change. You know, (laughs) there's a core belief of mine that will never change. Okay. Okay. If you say so. All right. Um, 
how do I feel about when um, people have different opinions to myself? I think um, when I was growing up, because I was someone who was exposed to the area of advocacy from I was 15 years old. So I came to New Zealand, you know, did a couple of talks and then everywhere when there was an ethnic event, I was invited. Um, and initially it felt great, you know, that you get to be in different spaces, say, what do you want? But I never prepared myself for the counter argument that someone else may have. I mean, that what it kind of isolated me from my growing, I think. So previously, when like when I was young, if anyone had um, a different opinion to myself, I felt threatened that people won't listen to me because there's someone else who's speaking a little bit louder. Um, but then you're right. After a while, you realize there's a third opinion by the third person and the fourth opinion by the fourth person. and It's never ending. And you kind of need to put yourself forward first and say, this is if I this, if this is my ground and this is where I stand, I'm going to remain standing here. But I need to be able to just like how I want people um, to host space for my opinion. I need to do that for them. Um, and that's how I take it now. Like, you know, you may be on the very contrasting end to compare to myself, but I will still open up the room because what it means is the next time when I'm talking about my opinion, I'm more informed about how to navigate it around the different crowds. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, no, I, I that's quite agree a- with that. I think I think I went through that pretty much that phase anyway. You know? yeah. I mean, um, and there are there are times this is not even like um, my university presentation for my final year um, dissertation back home. Um, someone called me out that one of my references were wrong. Um, I was like, I took it personally. I mean, I didn't have to. I made an absolute mockery of myself. Um, yeah. you know, I was like, I could have easily said, yeah, sorry, I'll change it or, you know, contest it later. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. I threw a full tantrum. I mean, not a tantrum, but, um, you know, I was like, how can you tell me this is wrong? It's like, it's not even my project. It's just a reference, you know. Mm. And it, like I said, I felt threatened when someone had a counter um, counter view to mine. And because yeah. you think that you put your best foot forward and someone critiques it and it took the, took me a bit of time to get used to it and um, now I'm more yeah. like hey I hear you I completely hear you um, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would not I will never bash you for having an opinion um, even if mm-hmm. it is in stark contrast to mine at least there's a time and place for it um, so yeah. I will definitely hold the space at least when you're putting it out there and then it's about whether we want to decide to counter it or not but that happens later yeah. I wouldn't let it get to me as as it as quickly as it did in the past. Mm, mm. I think, and sometimes you know, there are conversation where you just know, like, there are conversations when you can draw the line and say, okay, yeah, you know, they both are quite they're quite like right in their own spaces, but there are just some conversation when you talk about it, and you know, there's a right and wrong, but because different people are strongly opinionated, um, it's kind of your it's kind of very hard. Um, to stand your ground and navigate your way around it. So that kind of like takes us into the interpersonal level now, and I'm going to check on the question. So um, can you find a meme that has a questionable joke with racial undertones or like an experience that you have had where um, the undertone was racist, um, but it was given given to you in the form of a joke? Letty, quite a few. Um, Growing up, um, um, when I when I moved outside, I realized a few of the jokes I was made was racist, and I have I have no no shame in doing that because the time when I did it, I was still in the country, and it was a normal view. And you often tend to believe yeah. the majority share a view that's probably a fact. Um, mm. uh, but you wouldn't really realize when you 
actually meet those people and you see they are at the short end of the stereotype or as an Indian male, we are a victim of a few stereotypes as well. And then when you're associated with something you're not, um, regardless of where we, whoever you are, whatever you do, that's never a good mm. feeling. Um, so yeah. you tend to realize that you're feeling very uncomfortable now and that's how you're making people feel while you're sharing those jokes. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I've, I haven't, I haven't shared those jokes here. Um, I mm-hmm. tend to be more racially aware or whatever, but growing up, of course, when I was 10 and 12, you would, you wouldn't, mm-hmm. you wouldn't do. And these are not even like international racist types, but within the country, um, people are unknowingly yeah. racist. Um, you know, yeah. like, no one is, you can't ever say that you haven't heard one racist joke in your life, especially yeah. when you're growing up in our side of the world. Um, there are things people don't know, but um, when you, major, majority of them are willing to educate themselves. Um, so I'm one of those. When um, I did realize that what kind of connotation it came through, I was like, oh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, would I, yeah. would, I, would I be comfortable with me being the person being made fun of? Obviously not. Yeah. Um, be, it, yeah. be it based on their appearance or the identity or where they come from, I think it's not cool. Mm. Um, I'm not. Mm. I'm not. I'm not telling this to sound very pro. Um, pro. Yeah. Yeah. Said, um, this is just a j- belief I hold. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't like for people to make fun of my identity or my upbringing mm. or my decisions, um, which mm. led to me being here. Uh, so mm. I wouldn't essentially do that. But I've definitely come across a few. Few jokes. Yeah. I later turned out. I mean, realized yeah. that we're a system. Obviously, you know, I can. I am very apologetic at, when I learned mm. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, with me, like personally, um, colorism is something that I've dealt with a very for a very very long time. Um, you know, and something that I want to acknowledge right now is that us sitting here talking about racism, talking about social cohesion, it's a privilege for us people back home don't necessarily have this um so when I was growing up in Fiji because I was there till I turned 13 you know um it was it was something that was just in your face or every single time you know when I go to do shopping for Diwali people will tell me make sure you buy clothes that are light color and they would crack up um and I would be like what does that mean and then you know I would laugh as well just to feel included and scream as well while you're at it (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure like Fiji um, and South India have that uh, thing. Uh, we are obsessed with fairness um, as, yeah. a, as a region, um, you yeah. know, like how to the point where even the products are marketed on a purely, purely colorist way. Like we, we have fairness yeah. creams that comes with a fairness meter, which you can hold it against your face. Um, yeah. Four weeks time, if you don't go to this color or go three shades whiter, um, we will refund your money. I mean, of course, you're not getting a refund. Of course, you're not getting the thing either. I mean, you're made to feel very insecure um, in your own yeah. skin. Uh, and, yeah. and I don't know, this is not the harshest remark I would receive, but more often than not, when people come and ask me where I'm from in India, uh, they're like, mm-hmm. I'll say I'm from Chennai, which is in South India. It's like, oh, you're too fair for a South Indian. I mean, it's not yeah. affecting me, but it's basically calling my people out, and which I'm not for. Yeah. I yeah. recently encountered that a few months ago when someone told, um, well, you too fair for South Indian? I was like, sorry, there's a billion of us, but yeah, unfortunately, sorry to disappoint you. And I was like, oh, no, 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 yeah. I don't mean it like that. I was like, well, and of course, <laughs> this is an older person, but I told you, look, uncle, with all due respect, we, we are outside India. 
And, you know, yeah. we had the privilege of coming here and to be in an environment where we don't judge people based on the appearance. And if you're going to come here and do it, I mean, you're doing a disservice to yourself, but I don't want to be any part of it. So please um, don't ever bring up color or whatever yeah. discriminating factor. Like you can always stop it. Oh, you're from Chennai. Okay, good. Or you're from Mumbai. Yeah. You're fine. I don't, I don't need to know what you look like or I, you don't set the norms for how a person dresses or um, what they choose to do with their body. I mean, I can, I can be completely comfortable under my skin looking whichever way I look, you know, and um, that's something which um, it, it gets on my nerves. It's, it's really a pet peeve when people, um, you know, do pick on me because we don't, we don't do that. We simply don't. Yeah. 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 And it's something that, you know, I guess personally for me, just experiencing that colorism um, within my community. And then, you know, you, you see this shift. And I think it's all the effect of colonization that on one end, your own people are made to feel that they're not enough. And then you see this intergenerational trauma and gap in between them, them not understanding that they need to be empowered just because they're enough in the way that they are but because colonization has put up this image that you need to be this to be able to be successful blah 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 there's this whole um conflict within communities that your daughter needs to be a little bit more whiter um you know for her to find an eligible bachelor who she can get married to and blah 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 and but when you come to the western setting or when you come to the mainstream in new zealand the notations that i've gotten around is oh my god your skin is so exotic you're so I was gonna literally you picked the word out of my head. I've been called exotic. Yeah. You know? you know? you know, yeah. 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 And I'm like, what is happening? Like what am I this afraid? is <laughs> it's kinda like your own community does this to you unconsciously. Not and you know, they do it in the some of them do it with the most um pure intentions so it's sometimes like because this is what they've grown up in and they think this is the right way of living and this is the right way to do things. So when they suggest you a cream they're doing with the most writers in um intention how do you tell them that don't say this to me because this is wrong how do you draw that line i think that's something that i still struggle with till date you know i i recognize that it's 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 racist um but how do i con have a conversation with them without breaking or um kind of like deflecting the relationship that we already have that strong bond um Okay, um, that's a great question. Um, what, what I yeah, and you don't have to answer this. I think this is kind of like for me to rhetorically like ask everyone how do you how do you do that? You know, so that's something like that's something that I just wanted to highlight, and then and this is why I highlight why minority groups, why people of color um, are someone who are subjected to discrimination, racism, not by their own community, by also like mainstream people, not by only mainstream people, but also the community. It's always that vice versa. So you kind of have nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you you do often find yourself in the no man's land um, more often than yeah. not. Um, there are yeah. people who consciously offend you. There are people who yeah. unconsciously or subconsciously offend you. <clears throat> but at yeah. the end of the day, um, either one equally hurts. Um, you yeah. know, you don't want you don't want if let's say if I'm if I'm insecure, or let's say if I'm if I'm insecure about something and I don't want to be called out on that, but I'm putting sincerest efforts to improve myself in that area. The least you can do is yeah. not not put me down. I mean, you don't have to race. Yeah. You don't have to you know give me a give me a hand, but you don't have to put me down. Yeah. Uh, but I always feel like, especially um, with the previous generations, about the purest of intentions. I, I have this theory: the fact that we always inherit 
some of the qualities from our previous generation. All right? We do. Some good and bad. And, yep. and that will be the quality which the next generation will call you out on, right? Yeah. So your parents would have inherited half of the thing, which is basically your colorism and everything um, from the previous generation, which had even more rifle stuff, but they thought that was outrageous and they took only yeah. 50% of it. Now you're calling them out on that. And obviously we will be called out on something by the next generation. Um, we always yeah. tend to inherit because that's because you're kind of exposed to your um, parents and your family yeah. for the longest time than you are, especially from uh, a South Asian or an Asian culture for that fact, because the family you tend to stay longer with family. Um, so you're more yeah. conditioned to their opinions and, you know, um, and everything It's like, um, so you always tend to realize that you will have some kind of that, be it an intergenerational trauma or intergenerational opinion, you tend to carry them and you'll, you yeah. won't be, you won't be able to change it until you've been challenged upon it. And no more often than not, it'll be your next generation that finds what you do is completely outrageous. Like you can't, yeah. you know, and that's pretty much what ties up into you, uh, your experiences on colorism or picking up the clothing where people tell you in their best interest, I'm just doing the quotation marks on the air, um, but yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not, it? yeah. Yeah. This is a question that always fires me up because whenever I think, and I find it quite interesting that I can never <laughs> talk about racism without talking about colonization. And I can't talk about colonization without talking about the intergenerational trauma, the racism, the discrimination and the colorism that goes on. So I find it interesting, you know, and just to come back to the question that we've been on, um, we talked about can we find like a meme or an experience um, that has a questionable um, joke with racist undertone. I think a lot of the time, a lot of the time, and this is why I say minority groups are more prone to this, is that they they do they do find a lot of um, experiences, a lot of situations when they figured out that there's a racist undertone um, on, on top of a joke. But what they call out, um, maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes not. Why? Because they're just tired. It's not in the capacity. And again, we bring in the conversation of no man's land. Like you fight with your community you fight outside your community you fight with strangers you fight with mainstream how much do you fight how much do you continue this battle of you know questioning people who um have a racist undertone with whatever they do yeah no definitely yeah. um but it's, it's it's really unfortunate to be honest and um, to be able to cop as much hate yeah. or something which is not even in your control. Like you don't get to decide where you're born. I mean, I wouldn't change the thing yeah. about where I was born and where I was raised. I mean, I'm not getting there, but just the fact that it, people t- fail to realize that, well, you're lucky enough to born where, be where you are and you yeah. call yourself superior. It doesn't really make you superior. It's just the fact that you, yeah. you lack that exposure because there's still, some people still remain with the opinions which the colonizers brought back when they returned. Um, they haven't updated, but more often than not, you'll find people who have traveled and have that exposure um, to have mm. the modern values to be a much, bit more empathetic. I mean, as much as we call out people who are racist, I think we have a duty to, um, what to say, um, um, to appreciate people who do make that effort to learn and update themselves. Mm. Um, I think we owe them that much. Um, they don't get a lot of attention um, because obviously um, the minority of people who are absolutely hate-filled and, um, you know, made on social media or everything, I mean, th- that's dominated. I mean, you, you won't find a social media post without hate. Um, it's just important. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there are, uh, the reason why I bring this up is the fact that when I did come here, 
I didn't I didn't have a, a racist attack, but we had a couple of um, racist connotations based um, jokes thrown at me. And my friends, mm. you friends here, they were not happy about it. They didn't take it too kindly, and they they stand up for you. Um, so there are people who do that. I mean, of course, you will find them more closer towards your age, let's say, ten twenty years. But the generation before um, tend to lack that exposure if they haven't traveled or if they if they didn't have um, sons sons or daughters studying abroad then they would know about what it is to be um, surviving in a culture that's not yours. Um, yeah. And I think you should have uh, mad respect for anyone who um, is able to leave their comfort zone and leave things behind mm. and start a new life on a foreign land where they have to start things from scratch. And I think uh, they, they have more valor and courage mm. than anyone else who are here. Mm. Um, so uh, what what triggers me is when someone calls you a fob. I mean, I'm I would identify myself as proudly fob, you know, because yeah. I have the story. You know, I I don't yeah. have family here. I mm. don't really have anything. Whatever I'm doing here, I'm building from ground up, and I'm proud of it. Yeah, I wouldn't change a yeah. thing about it. And when people mm. say fob, it's like, oh, thanks for noticing. I mean, I literally have nothing to stand on. I'm not getting a study link or whatever. I'm not telling this to bang my drums, but the fact that um. It's not, it's what, when, when someone leaves their country and to set things up on their own, it's not something to be frowned upon, but it's rather something you should achieve, congratulate them on, you know, like they've shown extraordinary mm-hmm. courage. Sometimes people yeah. have to study, but sometimes people have to move, like they get displaced yeah. because of wars and everything. You know, you can't yeah. blame them for not having more, your culture. I mean, you, you haven't been through what they've been through. I mean, I've, like yeah. I said, I haven't had, I haven't had, I don't have a sob story to tell you, but people do have disastrous, you know, they've, they've mm. had a lot of tough time to get to this place and they are grateful. They are grateful, mm-hmm. but you're going to put them down by telling, oh, they don't, they don't look like me. I think that's not good when I mean, you got to check mm. yourself there. Yeah. yeah, I think, and this is something that we talked about in one of the episodes as well, is that when someone is fob or when someone is not the best in one language does not define or like talk about their intelligence because they are very much or probably almost an expert in another language and it's something to be proud of that additional to yours they're learning another language to get to where they need to and again you know that concept of congratulating them is quite important you know what we also tend to do as people is only congratulate on concrete achievements you know when we do when we when we use our soft skills like our braveness, our courage to get to more from one place to the other, it sometimes looks like oh, so what? Sometimes it takes a heap load of bravery to do that. So I think um, that's that's quite an important point that you um, pointed out. So I'm just going to go back. Yeah, sorry, no, you go. No, 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 you, you finish. I just, no, I just always think about this this quote. I hang on to a lot. I mean, never judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Um, <laughs> So yeah. I think that's something which you will always <laughs> I hold because, I mean, you'll, you'll, the fish will never climb a tree if you're expecting to, and it'll die when it does it because it's going to go at something yeah. else, and you never know yeah. that, and you maybe not even good at that. So, yeah, that's something which always um, a quote I hold dear to me. Yeah. 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 So true. Um. So you know, I'm just gonna go back to the um comment that you made about you're not gonna find um 
any single post on, um, online without a hate command. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite true personally in my experience, but um, that's also another question and shift- shifting attitudes yeah. on the interpersonal level. And it's asking what's the difference between writing an, a command online and saying something in person face-to-face? Well, to the same. You reckon? Well, to the same. I mean, it's no different. Yeah. Um, and this whole, I don't buy into the fact that people type hateful things when you're behind the keyboard. Of course, I mean, that's the easiest thing to do. But to, yeah. to put that in your fingertips, it needs to come from your mind and your heart. Um, so yeah. I, can, I can act like I'm all uh, liberal and, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm for the people and everything. And if I go home and I literally am going to type something hateful, I'm not doing that for fun. Mm-hmm. But that's the real me there. I'm putting yeah. it outside. Um, so yeah. saying something hateful um, online or saying mm-hmm. something hateful, um, you know, uh, in person, mm-hmm. I think it's the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, more often than not, people tend to do the fake ID thing. Like, you know, they set up a dummy profile and uh, they post hateful things or they have a polished word called shitposting, which they use. Yeah. Um, more often than not, the shitposting is tame, but sometimes people tend to, um, especially if you see political um posts you will see mm. a lot of hate and especially in these times like during covid where you know the the racism is free-flowing um, across the world yeah. um so mm. i i wouldn't say they're any different um if someone's going to post um such a hateful thing on through their keyboard that's because they believe that is what they believe in mm. um, so i mm. think they're one and the same and they both mm. need to be taken with the same amount of seriousness and they both mm. need to be corrected um, or being taken care of. Yeah, I think, um, and I see this with a lot of organizations or like, because I've been part of a couple of them um, from the NSAID level, is that um, you said it quite correctly that, you know, if someone is saying something verbally to you is as, as damaging as it would be um, under an online post, right? Um, but a lot of the time, we as advocates are encouraged to get out there, do the advocacy, challenge the norms and, you know, do that. And because of that, we face a lot of backlash. When the backlash is in person, we tend to get onto it and try to have a conversation. But when it's online, and this is a notation that I've seen with a couple of organizations, is that they tend to ignore it or they tend to hide it. Oh, you, mean and people, you mean the people who advocate, they tend to ignore the comments yeah. and carry on with the mission. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, so in that situation, I find myself a little bit of like a hypocrite, but then at the same time, I believe the conversation that you have in person is more intimate compared to the one you would have online because it's everyone and anyone watching. And that is one of the reasons why I believe that organizations, they don't tend to engage with hateful comments online. What do you think about that? I mean, um, I, because I was, I know for a fact that you're doing uh, the Shakti youth and, um, you know, everything, uh, but I, I wouldn't just because I choose to ignore a comment, um, a hateful comment for that fact. Um, mm. I I wouldn't want to be perceived as I endorse it, mm. or or the fact that it doesn't affect me. I mean, it affects mm. me, but I'm more concentrated on the purpose, right? So, I mean, it's much easier, mm. like I said, if it's a face to face conversation. More often than not, people don't um, air their what to say an anti opinion as bravely as they would do online. Obviously, that's why the word keyboard warriors come in. Um, people hide mm. behind a facade, but 
then again, it's an endless supply of um, barrage, which you're going to get, uh, you know, like it's about what are you going to devote your time and effort to? And it's about picking your fight. And just because you ignore a fight doesn't mean that you're not strong enough. Uh, mm. But the fact that the time you're going to spend uh, uh, educating a person who mm-hmm. was going to go to another post and post the same stuff anyway, um, yeah. you could devote that time to a person who actually needs your help. And that's why yeah. I feel certain organizations choose to ignore it so that they can allocate yeah. the resource. I mean, look, at the end of the day, even though it's an organization, it's literally one person sitting behind a computer trying to help people, you know, at mm. the end of the day. Um, so I would rather use my nine to five um, helping someone who really needs my help than educating a person mm-hmm. who is in no mood to listen. And online, yeah. you're going to find th- those people. I mean, if it's going to be someone from a close quarters of yours, I mean, someone who you know, or a friend or an acquaintance, I completely get the mm. point of the fact that it's your responsibility as their friend to call them out mm. on an opinion. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So that's, I would definitely agree with you on that. I mean, you're mm. not, and also it's going to be an endless circle of this mm-hmm. thing you'll be doing. I mean, it's going to take time and effort out of your actual meaningful work yeah. you do and trying to ed- educate a faceless person, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my opinion. Thanks. So I would, I would, I would be in this case, I would, I would choose to ignore. I mean, of course, if it's hatred, I would, I would report it, uh, mm. but I I wouldn't take it upon me to educate a person who is not even willing to put their real name out there to put their opinions out because yeah. for me they're not a person. Yeah, um, you know when you talk about report, um, I find it quite interesting just because there's big social media networks. Now they have their own people behind the screen who filter through those comments, and sometimes you see um, structural racism like speak from these um social medias because they would hide a whole as point a post that's advocating talking about different people in this country quite influential people who have done some some crap stuff you know but then um when you try to report the person who's doing the crap you you don't see any any sort of like um feedback coming back from the social media network if that makes sense i mean look they're going to be donating a million dollars to the social media network. You're not going to expect them yeah. to take an action, do you? I mean, even if it's going to be yeah. a slap on the wrist, I think it's going to be the most faintest slap you will ever hear. Um, so, yeah. um, I mean, that that kind of feeds into a bigger problem. I mean, it, it's not it's not a question of that crap they've done anymore. It just goes way beyond. I mean, it's it's more yeah. like I said, it's systematic and also yeah. systemic, <laughs> both yeah. and, and yeah. both and the fact that. Um, it 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 breeds above and it's like a rot that goes both up and down. Um, mm. You will never see the head or tail of it, or you will see the tail, yeah. but the head will never be seen because it's just running yeah. up and up and up. Um, what's about what do you stand to gain and what you stand to lose, and yeah. what do you stand to lose is much more than what you stand to gain. They won't act yeah. on it um, because yeah. they'll have the backdrop on everything else because there's going to be like people, you know, when you say. Oh, stay, stay safe, New Zealand. Then they'll be like, "Oh, what about this country, which has been affected by this now? What about this country, this has been affected by this now?" You'll never see the end of it. Like, you know, if you want to yeah. see, if you want to see a fault in someone, uh, I'm not telling in this case, but generally people tend to come up with their own concerns, what they hold dear. Um, so when you call mm. a person out for this one thing and another person out for this one thing, I mean, they both are wrong, but the organization wouldn't act because it has to cancel half of its revenue earning people. So yeah. they wouldn't do that. So I, I wouldn't yeah. expect them to do that. But obviously, um, they need to be held accountable. Um, that's the view I share. 
But who's gonna do that? You know, that's the big well, question. And I think it, it takes it takes a crusade like a Me Too or something where people have had enough. Yeah. Um, you know, they come to yeah. the woods and the fact that you know you try and hope that at least one person gets taken down as it would send fear. You hope it would send fear or stop yeah. people from the tracks from doing that. But yeah. I mean, that's not the ideal way. I mean, I wouldn't wait yeah. until a hundred people are offended to be classified as a an error. Mm. But, that's the way of the world, unfortunately. I know, it is. It is. And, you know, when you talk about um, legislation, when you talk about policies and all these things, they only change when they, they, see, the, when they see the stat of people being affected, being, um, you know, um, it, yeah. So it, it's, it takes, it that's takes the way a, the world works. It takes huh? a mass calamity or a disaster for, for systems to implement the changes. Um, yeah. It shouldn't be that way. But well, who are we? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think if we want, like, there's so much still to unpack about that question. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do it for a while, but we've just got 12 minutes left. So I'm just going to quickly jump into the last um, level, which is the um, societal level, where we talk about how do we use this conversation that you and I just have for this next question, which is what kind of person do you want to be? I want to be a person who constantly works on bettering himself. Um, for me, I'm mm-hmm. naturally inclined to learning. Um, mm-hmm. So, like I said, the opinions I hold today will not be valid tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. Times change, things change, people change. So will I. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would like to be the person who is still willing to learn um, and yeah. from people regardless of their age. Um, that's yeah. why I pick. I, mean, I love teaching as a profession. That's what I want to be. Um, I get to. Mm-hmm. The reason why I do that, this is from a very um, science perspective or um, whatever you say, you tend to move with the yeah. younger crop of people and the younger crop of the people who are the ones who push the boundaries and challenge the norms, especially in research. Mm. Um, you tend to, yeah. you can't be conservative. Well, the moment you start, start being conservative, you stop being innovative. Um, so you want yeah. people who challenge that. And I, I would like to be associated with a young, sharp mind, like what I am right now, to the previous mm. generations um, to push the things forward. I think it takes it takes that fearlessness um, to push those boundaries um, mm. and be related to the real world as well. That's why you see a lot of young advocates, someone like you, um, who's challenging those beliefs. And, you know, you have nothing to lose in here. But even yeah. if the smallest win you would get would be a big win for every one of us. Um, so yeah. I think everyone should take pride in the fact that there is someone doing this. And, and you know, I think as much as young people uh, get a lot of, um, what is it, flack for um, being irresponsible and doing so there are there is a silent crop of people, a sizable chunk of them who are putting their head down and doing things which are much, much mature for their age, but they seem to do it with ease. And I always am in awe of people. I, I tend to observe mm-hmm. people, how they work um, and pick a lot of things from they do. Uh, what they do, mm. regardless of their age. And there's things mm. I learned from everyone who I met, including you. Um, so yeah. probably um, this is me being five seconds of nice um, to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, no, there's something, it's, there's, everyone has got a story to tell, um, mm. not literally verbally, but the, the path mm. they've taken, the decisions they've made, uh, there's always things to learn. And I will use this conversation to be precise, this question or this conversation to kind of realize how the how much it can hurt a person to be, um, you know, uh, to be discriminated on something trivial or something mm. which is non-existent without even having an informed opinion. I think that's a real mm. good thing. And also the fact that it opens the eyes, your eyes to a wider 
set of issues like online bullying and everything. Um, so mm-hmm. that's something I will definitely um, look up and, uh, you know, uh, and share it with people and especially those cards about um, values, about family and how are you going to tell your family that they have a belief which is, well, outdated or even racist? Like, how are you going to let them yeah. know? I think yeah. those are things I'll take away. And I would like to be a person who is constantly um, learning uh, from mm-hmm. the society and also from my profession. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm just absorbing all that. Yeah. Um, I think for a long time, personally, like you said, everyone has a story to tell depending on what path they have taken. I think my story, um, a lot of the time when I look back, I go like, oh, I wish I hadn't gone through that. Uh, I don't want my kids or I want my grandchildren to ever go through that. That kind of a person, you know, so I have, I think I've carried a lot of hurt um, in my journey. So I want to be someone who's able, who's able to heal herself enough um, to have space for people to heal themselves. I don't want to heal anyone, but I think just saying that I'm here, I've got your back um, and I'm that person that you can depend on um, sometimes takes a huge load of burden away from a lot of people. And that is why I do the work that I do. Um, this um, Apart from universities, you know, I get amongst the community. I talk to young girl who, who go through a shit situation like domestic violence, you know, forced marriage. Someone who should be in school is struggling with unwanted pregnancy, um, rape cases, those kind of situations. I want to be someone whom they can tap the shoulder of and say, I need help. That kind of a person is something that I um, always look to be. And I think what that times it does is like makes me so ambitious that I don't allow myself to appreciate who um, or how many people I'm helping. You know, if like when you're, when you're kind of um, praising me, I always go like, who, me? Like, that's not true. Like, that's not. That's, that's, that's everyone, isn't it? I mean, more often yeah. than not, you, you tend to spread yourself than the fact that you don't give yourself enough credit. Um, so yeah. I'm not telling you yeah. go sit on yourself and have a Renisha Appreciation Day for yourself. But uh, <laughs> just the fa- fact that know that your work is appreciated, um, you know, and, yeah. And, yeah. and I would that's what I would always think. So, look. I've been I've been be part of an incredible team at Silverline, and this is not just about yeah. me. There's this wonderful bunch of twenty, thirty people, and even across Unicrew who often jump ship um, to help us yeah. out. Silverline <laughs> thing, fantastic, yeah. fantastic people, and um, I've I've met some met some people, someone like an Albi or an Amal, or people yeah. who have fascinating stories, and they've literally changed my life over. I mean, I never really yeah. knew I would have someone something so much in common with a guy from Samoa. Mm. Probably the dude I met, he was the first someone I met, to be honest. And he changed my life like Albie. Um, so there are people I hold dear and I, I would have absolutely been gutted if I missed out on this opportunity, uh, you know. Mm. And and yeah. that's what I would say. And also about it, just about thing about explanation about privilege is the fact that when I say I'm privileged, I don't mean that things were handed to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, well, of course, there's the typical blood, sweat and tears and everything. But when I say privilege, nothing was ever taken away from me without reason. And that happens yeah. to quite a lot of people, um, yeah. you know. Where, you know, be it be it a loss of a loss of a family member or being loss of yeah. um, um, something, their achievements being taken away from them, um, so yeah. rather unfairly. Um, and you know, that's that's that hasn't happened to me. That's why I call myself privileged. Um, yeah. you know, and the fact that I'm able to enjoy the fruits of my labor and get the recognition for the work I do is what I call yeah. privilege. And and to yeah. be able to do that with the support of your family, and that's what I call privilege, and that's the privilege I want to use um, to help others. The fact that you know what, I've had this, I have enough to share, 
and mm-hmm. you deserve it. Let's do it yeah. together. I think that's my yeah. MO. Um, so yeah. um, that's that's how I work, and and I, I really am grateful to know someone like you who who does it on an even bigger scale. Like I haven't attached myself to an organization um, where I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of you know I'm putting the, out there helping out a specific cause um, um, to support people who are actually in the middle of a turmoil. Um, I think I think props to you and your team who's doing that at Chakti and um, you. you guys are. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> wow, you just summed up the whole um, podcast for me. But we're just under four minutes. Um, and what I like to do with my, um, with my guest is to invite them to share a quote with mm-hmm. us, a quote that they hold very dear to their heart or a quote that they despite quite badly. <laughs> um, but yeah, any quote that can motivate or like keep us going. Never judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. <laughs> what it is. You know what Dima, Dima said in the um, last episode was, yeah. um, if you're not getting paid, it's not your job. Well, ask her to try research. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, have you done volunteer work? Have you been an advocate? Because she's quite, um, you know, quite up there in the space and like, you know, burnout and all that is real. But like, yeah, it's been interesting seeing like that none of you technically like with the three episodes that I've done, none of you have actually given me a quote. <laughs> You've just been cheeky with your own like sayings and lives. Oh, me? No, no, no. That's not my yeah. quote. I didn't, I didn't coin it. Oh, okay. 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 No, no, Sorry. no. I'm not going to credit for that. I never said it's mine. It's a, it's okay, a quote quite I love. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. No, it's not mine. Okay. No, I can't, mate. I can't do that. That's that would be plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> you already got into issues because of referencing, so you don't want to do that for no, the time, not right? Yet. Not yet. I would want to. <laughs> it, but, um, no, no. Okay. no the, the reason why I hold that quote dear is basically it, it. It helped me to pull myself up out of a lot of things. You know, like yeah. The, the thing about taking things personally, and that's where it yeah. exactly fits in. The fact that. When you take things too personally and you're feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough, but yeah, you're not meant to be good enough in that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to be good at everything I do. Yeah. And uh, that's why I always mm-hmm. say, whenever I say, I'm not always the fish, I'm the person judging mm-hmm. as well. You can be either, you can be the person judging or you can be the mm-hmm. fish. So, depends yeah. on wherever you are. So, I, I would put myself there on either perspective and say, like, I'm being unfair and judging this person um, to yeah. doing that. Or, the person I'm being unfairly judged on by this thing. So Mm -hmm. wherever I am in that situation, I think that quote works really well for me. And uh, that's why I like that quote. I can't, it's not my quote. I know that far, but I don't ask me who it is, but I have no idea. Uh, But yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. So our viewers have that out of the way. Our listeners actually have that out of the way. Um, So you mentioned that this cards were something that you um, probably would like to use again and like probably have conversations with. So, sir, Mr. Naranjan Ramesh, I am gifting you one, one, oh, doctor. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I am so sorry, sir. Dr. Naranjan Ramesh, I would like to gift you one of the mosaic guard sets. So next time when the lockdown lockdown is lifted up um, and I see you next, hopefully I'll have it on me. Um, I got five to give away um, and I think you gave me a reason to give it to you. So make sure you use it. Do you not do contactless delivery? No, I don't. I have not gotten out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say I'm quite... 
I mean, the questions yeah. are very insightful and thank you so much. I feel yeah. privileged again um, um, to, be, <laughs> to be part of this. Um, but, yeah. uh, thank you. I'm looking forward to listening to other episodes as well. And of course, you got fantastic humans being interviewed. So looking forward to it and good luck for your show. Yeah. Definitely. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, just a reminder that these are our own personal values, opinions. Um, and if it has resonated with you, please give us a listen, which you already are. But if um, if it's something that has triggered you, please reach out. More than happy to help. Um, we'll have a conversation. That's what we are meant to do. Um, but other than that, the situation right now, we're in lockdown. It's not the best. Um, but Please take care of yourself, take a break if you need to, and productivity during lockdown is quite different to in a normal day. Um, please be aware of that. Be kind, love yourself, stay safe. Thank you so much. Till next time, keep safe. Thanks, guys. You were listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha at Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.